Hello, hello, and welcome to this, the inaugural Ask the Podcast episode of Zap to the Past, which is um, questions posed to us by our patrons through our Discord channel. So this is the first time we've done this, so I don't know, expect anything. It could go horribly wrong. <laughs> we don't know what go, we're doing. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we really don't. Um, so we've got a lot of questions that have been asked over the well, it's three months now it's been running on it. So we thought we'd better get around to doing this. Um, yes. But we did say when it was a, a decent amount to actually answer. So we've got a few uh, and we're going to go through them. Um, hopefully, I don't know, you might like the answers. You might not. You might stop listening to us. Go, ah, God damn it. I disagree yeah, with say that. that. <laughs> we encourage you not to do exactly what he just said. <laughs> no, I said you might do, but hopefully we're not. It's just us being us um, answering your questions. So uh, that's that. That's this. this uh, well, there's, there's a simple rule episode. to this, isn't there? If you don't want scary answers, don't ask scary questions. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is very, very true. Um, So should we get on with it? Should we we get on with these? I think we should. Um, Mr. David Hearn asked us, first of all, he says, did we ever review Jack Attack? Um, Jack Attack? Yeah, we did not. (laughs) It's the simple answer to that. Okay, no then. Um, It's in, if I remember rightly, um, let me just do a quick check. I think it's in... It's an early Zap, isn't it? It is. It's reviewed in episode one, uh, issue one of Zap. Um, And back then, um, we weren't sure if we were going to do every single game because there was loads. Yeah. Uh, And so we pulled out, you know, a selection from the first few issues. um, Yeah, we we didn't do it that way, did we? We just took a chunk. Yeah, we took a chunk. It was never going to be, we'll sort of look at everything. It was only, I think, as the games withered for a period one though when there was only about yeah. like 12 in an episode issue that we sort of started doing everything i was just oh, continued those on. days i remember those days <laughs> yeah, it was 12 you know six games to look at for a for a, for a podcast <laughs> yeah rather than 15 each week or whatever. um so yeah so we so never many. there was there was always the thought to well it, it was in that session so what we do have planned at some point somewhere down the line we have there are about 30 games that we didn't look at from those first few issues at mm. some point when we get time <laughs> after the heat death of the universe, um, <laughs> we will probably go back and revisit those missed. I don't want to say diamonds in the rough cause I've no idea what they're like. Um, yeah. We, we prob- I, I think that's a good plan actually, but we should aim to do it at some point. I yeah, mean, we should. Cause for completeness, otherwise, you know what, what we're saying really I know we, we, you know, we're saying we're looking at all C sixty four games, and we're just we're just making a fool of ourselves. Well, if we, absolutely, and you know what? I have a funny feeling because as we've gone through Zap to the Past and as we've played more games, generally speaking, the quality's got worse. And then when we've had the <laughs> games from nineteen eighty four come back, the Activision ones I'm thinking of most recently, they tend to be pretty good. So it'd be quite nice to go back to some of these yeah, initial yeah. ones that we didn't do and. Just to see, just to see, because I, I think, what, what did we actually cover in episode Don't one? forget, there was that weird stuff like those spiders web ones and... Oh, um, there's Dickie's Diamonds and that, but this Spy, Spy Hunter was back then, Summer Games was back then somewhere, and there's a few you know, No, Summer ones. Games was episode zero, that's pre-Zap. Um, that's what I mean, did that it, time we, zone is what I'm thinking back then. Yeah, well, we also did it in a different way, because we front-loaded the that because we never knew we were going to talk for so long that was the thing wasn't it yes, um, and yes. we front loaded it with good games and so the episode one part two is just full of dross um <laughs> like web web dimension and shades if you remember those oh god and shades dark tower and things like that yeah so <laughs> it was a it was a it was 
it wasn't a very well balanced start to the podcast, but you know, it was no. what it was. We were finding our feet. There was a lot more crapverts back then as well. There were an inordinate amount of crapverts, yes. So, yes. so, so there you got, go. They've got better at marketing crap. <laughs> but they're still marketing crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well they were they were crappily marketing good. Now they're well marketing crap. <laughs> so to David Hearn's point though, what just because I don't really I can't remember anything about Jack Attack, what actually was it other than the weird Jack Tremell reference? <laughs> I don't know. I've never played it. All oh, so right. Have you, have you read the you. Um, the Bagnell, James Bagnell book? Is it James Bagnell? The, the Commodore 64 book that's like the beginnings of the Commodore 64. That isn't the title, and it's probably not the author, which is the terrible reference. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll put the actual title. Have you read a book? <laughs> have you read a book about. I'm sure it's by somebody Bagnell. It might be, it might be Charles. I can't remember. Anyway, I'll post them. I'll find out who <laughs> no, that is. However, not. that makes reference to what a Jack attack actually was in terms of Jack Tremell doing it, which is where he had a. Um, was, obviously, Jack Tremell was the originator of Commodore, essentially. Right. Um, and obviously, there's a whole story about Jack Tremell, but famously, he used to be quite confrontational. And okay. um, when he was challenging people, he would be right in their face, really challenging them. Like, not, he wouldn't stand for any nonsense, you know, quite famously. Uh-huh. And it became, he did it so often, it became known as a Jack attack in Commodore. So you would oh. get Jack attacked. Um, and it, so, and he was quite, quite, like, not quite confrontational. That's an understatement. He was actually quite nasty and, and verbally abusive to his staff. Um, right. it, it, according, okay. to the, according to the written documentation anyway um, and it became known as a jack attack and I'm guessing that's a little bit of a nod to that I don't know if yeah. it's anything to do with they knew anything about jack attack so Jack Tremell at that time but I yeah. honestly have no idea I don't know but um, yes I mean obviously a very intense businessman with an incredible history actually Jack Tremell really incredible considering he survived the sort of the um, second world war sort of um camps and all of that you know all of they um, mm. survived all of that sort of stuff so to come out of that and create commodore and then here we are you know doing a podcast about the very computer that he was one of his little computer babies which sounds Dude. really awful when i say it out loud but in my head it was it didn't didn't have this image of jack Trewell giving birth to a, to a computer <laughs> but now i do yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go wash my eyes. So do our listeners. I'm going to go wash my eyes and ears. <laughs> so you so, should. Anyway, that's a, that's a Jack Attack. That's what it was. Okay. All right. There we go. That's the, that's that first one. Um, Mr. Hunter also asked us, what are our favorite games outside the C64? It's a big question, that. It's a very big question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll keep it short. Yeah, you, you, go go first? For, yeah you go first because I right. need time I have to a, think. Well, I, I always had... Um, uh, a sort of a holy triumvirate of games that came out around 2000 to 2004, and that was Halo, Metroid Prime, and Resident Evil 4. So uh, there's many, many reasons why I love those three games, uh, but they were a sort of sort of really seminal games for me in when 3D became a you know a, a viable option. There was the PS1, Viable and D, and stuff. Yeah, Viable D. But you know, this things like Ocarina of Time. And things like that, but there's those, there's something about the the timing of those three games when I was, you know, I just had time to play them and, and immerse myself in them. And there's and they're just brilliant, brilliant games. Since then, um, a fourth one has emerged that has been added into that to make it a a square rather than a triangle, um, and that game is Bloodborne, um, which is incredible. Which there's something about playing a game about a you know horrible society breaking down to a horrible blood disease during a pandemic 
mm. um, that sort of speaks that speaks to something. But during the pandemic itself, I put about overall the saves. I think I put about four hundred hours into Bloodborne. Wow. Um, I played it through multiple times, multiple different things. Nothing grabbed me, and nothing has grabbed me, and I still go back to it. It's just an amazing game. Um, so yeah, Halo, Metroid Prime, Retro- Resident Evil Four, and Bloodborne. There you go. That's my top four. Nothing, nothing 16-bit or anything like that or in between. Well, this this is the thing. I mean, I um, never had SNES, never had a Mega Drive, um, and the only games I really played on the Amiga back then, uh, nothing really grabbed me in a sense of like these games did. Um, mm. So no, it would be... I mean, I could probably Metal Gear Solid would sit in there, uh, the first one, and Metal Gear Solid 3 as well. Um so some of some of those would be in there as well. There's some Dreamcast games that I really love as well. But I think if you're gonna just you know, like I said, I could talk for ages, as you well know. Um, so I'm not going to. I'm just gonna go. There you go. That's that's mine. What so about I've yours? Been, I've been out of the room seven times, and an hour's gone by. <laughs> no I'm joking. Um, that you see now. This is difficult, isn't it? Because it's easy. I had a big gap. I had a huge gap in game playing. So I, and also, well, I I had two gaps, actually. The first gap was because I became quite a big trader of demos and games. And when you do that, and you have a lot of contacts across the world, which I did, both on the C64 and the Amiga, um, less so after that, in fact, not after that. But up to that point, um, I was getting a lot of games and getting a lot of demos and stuff, and you just kind of become very blasé to them. So outside of the C64, my absolute favorite Amiga games are the uh, Monkey Island games. I think they're just brilliant. They're just On the Amiga, it's a brilliant game, all of them, including the, um, the Chuck's Revenge. And I don't, think the, I don't know if the third one ever came out on the Amiga. If it did, it did. I, I only really go by the ones I had or the originals of, and it's very rare I bought games on the Amiga, um, but I did buy those. Um, and also, I actually really liked the Alien Breed series of games on the Amiga. Um, not the later ones, the initial one. And it's actually because, if you think about it, when I was, I didn't even realize, and we didn't say it at the time, but when we was playing Into the Eagle's Nest on the C64, it's a lot like Alien Breed yeah, in terms yeah, of the yeah, way it looks. Is, yes. And that sort of thing does appeal to me. And of course, so it was a good mixture of aliens crossed with Gauntlet. That's Amiga. Then. I didn't own a Mega Drive or a SNES. I vicariously enjoyed those through friends that had them. And I have to say that there weren't that many games that really made me go, wow. They all kind of looked the same. That said, um, when the Mega CD arrived and my friend got a Mega CD, uh, that was slightly different because both Solfice, which is, I think that's how you say it, but that was, I think it was a remake of Soldice, which I think is how you say it. Um, which is a Mega Drive game. I, th- I don't know if they're arcade games or whatever the heritage was. So that's a side-scrolling shoot-em-up. But the music on the Soul Feast Mega CD was the actual music. It must be an arcade conversion, I think. And it had this amazing music. I love the music to this day. In fact, I even bought a second-hand Mega CD version, which I've still got somewhere on the shelf. Not because I own a Mega CD, which I don't, but because the actual music on it, you could play in an ordinary CD player. So I really like those. And, of course, um, the Streets of Rage slash Final Fight games on the Mega Drive were brilliant. Really, and I still love those kind of games. In fact, I recently bought the side-scrolling book. It was not a side-scrolling book. It's a book about side-scrolling games um, and fighting game stuff. And I absolutely loved those kind of games. And Streets of Rage and Final Fight are kind of one game, really. There's the same thing with slight variations of character. I think one has a baddie called Blade, and the other one has one called Knife or Bread or something stupid. <laughs> really bizarre names, but that's the part of the appeal. 
And that led me onto sort of lots of side scrolling stuff. The SNES and the so the SNES and the Mega Drive and that whole there's a whole clux of stuff that I kind of avoided and just didn't really get into. I never really liked Sonic that much. Didn't really like any of those platformers that much. Never got into them. Had mates that were just every now and again I'd dip in. And they were we had weird mates that had real weird batches of consoles and things. So we we actually got to play a really wide variety of games on different platforms that perhaps not everyone would have had access to, like this Philips CDI. And um, my friend had this weird disk drive thing that you could plug into your uh, Nintendo, your SNES, and that meant that you could sort of load games in off disk. I don't even know what that even called. That's even called. But anyway, I had one of those. So, but favorite games? Well, there's a huge gap. And then I sort of dipped back into PC gaming when I had a brief flirtation with some of the first-person shooters around the Duke Nukem era. And around that time, and Command and Conquer is a firm favorite of mine at that time. I think it was around that time. And again, that's another PC game that I bought the original of. Then there's another big gap. And then um, I go back into the sort of more modern ones. And for me, really, um, and you could shoot me down if you want for these, because I didn't play any of the games that you've men- mentioned. I played Bloodborne briefly and it wasn't my cup of tea, but um, you introduced me to a lot of the, reintroduced me to console gaming. I'd completely switched off from it. And so God of War series, I'm putting them as in a series, apart from the more recent one, the God of War 2. God of War 2 is just a phenomenal game. It's just incredibly. And and as a game that introduces you back into console gaming, when you've not seen games for a while and you come back, that's such an amazing experience. I still remember playing it in your house, you showing me it to this day. I remember going, that is just Mm. something else. Yeah, yeah. and something and the games like that. So that kind of what do they call them? Hack and slash third person. What are they called? Yeah, the official name. Char- char- I think the terminology is character action games. So character action games then. And so though that kind of game appeals to me. So the Ninja Gaidens of this world, all of those, and then the Devil May Cry series, and all of those, and that and that genre of game I really like. So what's in the favourites? Oddly, nothing from that genre. God of War <laughs> sort of does dip its toe in, but for me, I go by the no, experiences no, I had. No Bayonetta. Um, again, Bayonetta is. It has a place, but I go by the emotional investment I had into those games and the journey they took me on. Last of Us, the first one, absolutely took me on a journey. That was was an emotional journey, that game. And it's just Uh genuinely, absolutely mind-blowing and a step above. Half-Life 2, because I played nothing like it, and then then I played Half-Life 2. I didn't ever play Half-Life. I played Half-Life 2 first, and it's just completely if you if you imagine never playing a game like that and then playing that um, and not even experiencing anything like it and then that it's just it blew my mind and still does and then um bioshock infinite because i think it's it's stand well the bioshock series but infinite is my favorite out of the three principally because i think it's the most beautifully engineered and designed game design i have ever seen and i think i probably ever will see i think it's stunning absolutely stunning the way you can fly about and jump about and the way the game logic works and the twisty turning now everything about it is just somebody sat down and when they made that game idea sometimes these things you think they're never going to be able to pull that off and yet they did with that everything in that is amazing just it's just mind-blowing and that's why i go for those those sort of titles i have to say in the in the also rounds of course um halo has to be in there it's really difficult to pick out, you know, it says mm. your favorite games, not your favorite game. So Halo's in there in my list because, but I played it on PC first, weirdly, before I played it on console. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I know, weird. I know, but just it's how you come across these things. And I just remember, um, you remember you going on and on and on about it and thinking, God, it can't be that <laughs> I good. Was. 
I was a right halo boy. But it wasn't you. It wasn't a boy. You were just absolutely, completely spellbound by it. And I remember, remember coming across it later after the six-hour conversation we had in a pub about it. And you're completely going mad, and rightly so. And I remember playing it, thinking this isn't all that, and then getting to the section where you can counter the flood, and going, "This is something else. This game is astonishing." And then, then realizing as the Halo sequels came out, how much goes on in Halo in the background and around the edges, and how different you can take the approaches to that in all the different ways you can. Mm-hmm. And you, then you realize that that game is that game is genuinely incredibly, incredibly brilliant. Mm-hmm. So it's in there. So those are some of my games. I know it's not a full list. I, I couldn't honestly. I played so many games over the time. Yes, this game's yeah, yeah. game moments stick in your mind. I mean, you know, you, I mean, loads of games recently. You've played a lot more games more, more recently than I do. I've taken a bit of a break now, completely from all game, apart from what we do for the podcast. I just don't have the time and the dedication. I played Ghost of Tsushima. I got really into it to the point where I was wearing a kimono around the house, and it, it, <laughs> it, it just, apart from Blue Pant Day, yeah, it just it's just upset everybody. <laughs> No, and I started getting really demanding of the, all the neighbours and demanding demanding money off them and everything. It was weird and just just chasing people down on horseback a lot and then writing haikus. Oh, the haikus I've written, goodness me. Galactic eyes, sharp as Tikagi and all that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, anyways, I feel like I've rambled on there. But, yes, that's that was mine. No, 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 there you go. You ask us a question like that, I expect an answer. Yeah, it's a big but, Yeah, if, I think those the four I've put are, are the most – thematically consistent through through them yes, that keep yes. keep it all going but gaming moments there are oh, there's just too many uh, there's there's i think if you're talking sort of next gen moments would one of the big ones for me was in um ghost recon advanced warfare 2 i don't know if you ever played that no no so most um, of these real big bottom ones i've not done yeah well there was, it was on the it was on the 360 so this was the first time you know we'd had the you'd had some games that were sort of high def and you I just got a new high def t- TV well high def it was 720 or 1080 whatever it was at the time um and Ghost Recon Advanced Warfare 2 is the sequel obviously to Ghost Recon Advanced Warfare and there's a bit in it where you, you fight through the first sequence and then you get in this helicopter and it's all, I think it's all seamlessly done and you get in this mission briefing as you're going around the side of this mountain and um about what you're going in you go into the town or the city of Juarez in Mexico mm-hmm. um and as you come around this side of this mountain the the, the general or the sergeant whatever is banging on it you're going oh there's this and this and the intel says all this and you know typical militaristic jingo but then just as you come around the mountain it's so perfectly timed because you just lay gentlemen welcome to juarez and you just round the corner mountain and there's just this city in flames laid out below you and as a next gen moment it's one of those few moments you just go oh there's the extra power <laughs> and, and it's just like oh my you've never i've never seen anything quite like it it's an incredible, incredible sequence i'll also echo as well um half-life 2 Half-Life 2 was um, uh, it was a, a one that took a while for me because I got Half-Life 2 on launch um, on PC, um, but unfortunately it was completely and utterly ruined by the uh, stuttering bug uh, uh, that plagued yes. Half-Life 2 when it um, first came out. So I couldn't play it really, and it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So it was a, quite a while before I kind of came around to playing that through as well. Same with the Portal games as well, but... Um, there you go okay so what's our next question so that's that one uh games so david Hearn asked again what music are you currently enjoying apart from jennifer rush <laughs> Dude, i've never enjoyed jennifer rush no i haven't not on an ironic level not on a funny <laughs> level not anything never enjoyed jennifer rush um uh, this is going to be your question because i don't think i've listened to any new music pro- uh, post 2008 <laughs> right I just, Why? I just don't listen to time so, i've only got so much time and i, and I listened I, I found myself 
listening to podcasts more than I do music just to keep up with things to, you know, once you get into a certain thing. So that's, that's what happened. So I, I just don't really listen to a lot of music these days. If I do, I just stick something from YouTube on a sort of playlist of something or other, or I just, you know, I just listen to Rush because <laughs> that's about it. I know where I am with them. And when I'm working or something like that, I just need something on that's that I know and I'm not, not going to, not going to bug me. So, yeah, I don't really listen to much music these days, apart from, you know, old 80s cheese. So what about you? Um, I tend to find more interesting, newer music. I don't ever listen to the charts or anything like that. I don't understand it, and I don't want to. Um, that, that, <laughs> that current There's a current genre of music. I don't even know what you call it, but it just sounds like someone going... Um, I woke up the other morning and I couldn't find my poos in my shed. So I went and then sort of background sounds like ding, tick, 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 ding, ding. And it's just some kind of rap variant, I think. I don't I did it. I don't mm-hmm. want to. I tend to tr- listen to stuff on Bandcamp and on SoundCloud. So I'm quite a big advocate of both of those platforms for different reasons. Um, I've been listening to a band that I really like called Siome. Um, on both those platforms. They're on there. You can download their albums and listen to them for free if you want. I like something called uh, sort of a synth outfit, for want of a better description, They're called VHS Glitch, which are really good. They're like a dark synthwave stuff. Something called Nyctophiliac, which is kind of a trip, almost a dark industrial trip hop, which is really cool. They've got an album called Dark Side of the Mental, which is really, really good. I also like some really ma- majorly heavy metal-y stuff. So... Um, uh, threat signal and bands like that. I quite like stuff like that. It depends what I'm doing. If I'm training in the gym and stuff like that, I tend to like to listen to really aggressive industrial metal. So the ministries, although I don't really like the new album as such, but it's better than some of the other stuff, but ministry, your, your classic old school eighties frontline assembly, skinny puppy, KMFDM, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I also like some of the newer stuff as well. I like, and SoundCloud's got, I quite like deep house. So there's some deep house stuff in there as well. And a bit of a mishmash. What I could tell you is I couldn't name you, the top 60 tracks in the UK are different downloads. I wouldn't know who they were. And it has, as Darth Vader says, they no longer have no meaning for me. <laughs> well, he didn't say it like that. He didn't say they Does no longer say have that? no. Yes. That's <laughs> name, that name has, no longer has meaning for me. That's oh, that name. All right. Even yeah, say yeah, that, okay. that, that that music doesn't have no. <laughs> but uh, I, in my head, he does. <laughs> I know not what this c- um, there's, some, is. there's some good stuff out there. Just uh, If you go genre hunting on things like SoundCloud, there's some really good little, you know, people do some really interesting stuff. There's a really good one called uh, Wolf and, I want to say Wolf and Badger then, but it's not Wolf and Badger, called Wolf and Raven <laughs> on SoundCloud. <laughs> now, Wolf and Raven do um, really good old arcade sounding, like you know, like the old music you used to get on Sega arcades, like yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Well, they do that kind of music, but they do it kind of ramped up and modern. They've just released a whole album, of all, a cover of all of the Outrun soundtracks. Um, and stuff like that, I quite like. I quite like really innovative. And most of these are just like people and sat on their own in their bedroom, probably, or a couple of people. There's probably. a lot of that going on. Good stuff. Yeah, that, yeah Wolf, that. Wolf and Wolf and Badger sounds like the follow up to Foster and Allen. I think Wolf and Badger makes slippers. <laughs> it's definitely Wolf and Raven. Wolf and Badger um, just with their endless endless compilation oh, albums. It's Daniel Deluxe as well. I'll give Daniel Deluxe a go. Good old fashioned, you know, um, deep. Um, Dark synth and synth wave and stuff like that, but synth wave got got so ubiquitous and so everyone was yeah. doing it. It's a bit like mm, okay, so, so there you go. That's me. There you go. All right. Uh, did either of us get into mods music on the Amiga? 
Yeah, did I a bit, did. didn't we? Yeah, I did. I, mean, loads. I did some some around at your house and the bits and bobs on my own, but you were much more into it than I was. I've got loads. I've got an entire channel on SoundCloud, uh, which I'll have. which I'll post in the Patreon link. I think I already have actually, so I won't post it again. But there's there's not all of my Amiga stuff on there. I do. I, I don't actually own my Amiga twelve hundred anymore. It died in a in a in a bizarre accident. <laughs> However, prior to its death, my good friend um, Paddy. Um, rescued my, it had a hard drive in the, my 1200, an 80 meg hard drive, all 80 meg of it. Um, and he managed to somehow take my entire hard drive off and make an archive of it, which I still have to this day. And now you can plug that archive into an Amiga emulator like WinUAE, and that means I can actually play my 1200 exactly as it was. And that 1200 has got all my Optimed and all of my sound tracker and mods and everything on it, so I can still listen to them. And, and I've recorded some of them and put them on SoundCloud just for posterity. Uh-huh. So. Do you still have that one that I did the vocals on? Yes, yes. It's time for us to pay <laughs> for the fun. sanctity of life. That one, yeah, I've still got That's that. You, you wrote the lyrics, I just did the vocals. It's the, when you say repent all sinners, it drops down, I think, a full a full octave, so it goes, repent all sinners, like deeper. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want a singer. Well, because so, the original plan, and when I was doing some of that, I was heavily into... Later, heavily into uh, industrial, obviously, and Prodigy and stuff like that. I still, I lo- still love the Prodigy to this day. Um, and so that was a massive influence on the music I was creating at the time. And some of those tracks I was doing for, I created an outfit, a band name called Wealth in Chains, if you remember. I do. And Wealth in Chains, I did an album. An album. I did. A, I did a load of tracks under that proviso, and they were using really advanced techniques at the time on an Amiga. So it wasn't just an Amiga. I was mixing in sound samples from films. I was blending these things with the most bizarre array of wires connected to an Akai video recorder you've ever seen, using it as a mixing desk. It's bizarre even when I think about it now, and yet it kind of worked. And not many of those tracks have survived because some of them had vocals on. Um, and these, I've, I used to have them all on a tape, and that tape obviously, as these things do, disappeared in time. So I don't have any of the tracks now that have the vocals on except for a short excerpt of a track that's on YouTube which a friend of mine happened to send to me on CD, which was a music video we had to do as part of a college project with the music video. It was shocking. But the, <laughs> sound, it's the, there's the sound on it, which is a track called... Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the top of my head, but there's a, the track I did. It's like, a, it's like a weird industrial rap type thing. And um, it's got some vocals on that. But it sounds like I'm trapped in a, a tin of beans. Conformity, was it? Conformity, that's it. But it sounds like I'm trapped uh, in a yeah. tin of beans when I'm singing that scene. It does. Conformity. Coming from yeah. your territory. <laughs> coming, from, coming from your screen, it's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> that's the bit I remember. <laughs> Shouting at your name, saying, <laughs> buy me. Yeah. Now I'm proud of those lyrics. <laughs> Indeed. Um, don't forget as well, um, we are, I mean, Let's let's say nineteen ninety two were probably the only band in the north of England that was using an Amiga five hundred well, or whatever it was, and a fourteen yes. inch portable telly to do uh, drums while we played guitars and bass and sang live on we stage. We were massively ahead of our time in that with respect. samples and stuff as well. Massively so we ahead. Yeah, we yeah. were. And if you look at, um, I was reading, but what band was I reading about that also did that? It's part of one of the researchy bits we were doing for the podcast. I was like, oh, my God, we weren't the only ones doing that. There was another band that didn't have a drummer. They became quite famous for it. It will come back to me. It was. It might have been. It was somebody. I remember reading it going, wow, I did not expect that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so. the Sister Mercy always were a Dr. Avalanche, weren't they? But but we were just an Amiga and a 14-inch portable. Yes, we were. We were indeed. Well, with, actually, with uh, the samples were from a Gamma Ray album. We got complimented yeah. so many times on how good our samples were, and I'm like, ha, if only you knew who did them. Yeah. 
we've been ostracized from the Grimsby music scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, Mankco um, uh, asked us, did anyone read this classic horror comic back in the day? It was the Scream comic. I never. Um, I did like some horror comics, but that wasn't one of the ones on my list. No, I, I, when I saw this, I was like, well, how did, where did I miss this? This was mm. would have been, I mean, both you and I sort of would have been all over this for the scene it, but no, I don't think no. it made its way to Grimsby. No, well, a lot of that stuff didn't. We didn't have a comic shop. We didn't. Um, and we did sort of get a sort of one. There was a couple of attempts at it, but we never got a really serious comic shop. And also, this there tended to be in some comic shops a little bit of comic snobbery. Um, I used to go to the, we used to go to a comic book fair that used to come to Cleethorpes every whatever period of time that was. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's where I used to buy my Hellraiser comics and Aliens versus Predator comics and all the Dark Horse stuff I used to be into. Um, I don't know what happened to all them. I think I got we, I lost a lot of my um, belongings in a in a flood that happened at my mum's house where she was storing them all, and um, so a lot of these things have been lost in time, like tears in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you should put a violin on there. Um, time to yeah, a drink of coffee. There we go. Time, time to yeah. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. <laughs> um, uh, so no, no, we never saw that. Um, Sven asked us if there's any good C64 related books to recommend that it's possible to get a hard copy of still. That's Could difficult. Come history programming, anything really. I don't know of any that are still you know print. New, no, it's Brian Bagnell, by the way. Brian Bagnell's book about the Commodore 64, and that's oh, Bobby, oh, Bobby's brother, <laughs> Bobby. Yeah, it's Bob, Bobby, uh, Bobby, Bobby Biscuit. Bagnell. <laughs> yeah, you can't unfortunately get that alone. I don't think you can get it anymore in hard copy. Um, he wrote a follow up to that as well, which is like, and it, there was a weird bit of song and dance around the Kickstarter for the second book because it was meant mm. to be one book and then it got mysteriously split into two books, and there was a bit of brouhaha around that. The first book was actually the one, that's the one I've read. I've got the other ones, but I've never read those. And I really enjoyed the Brian Bagnell book. It is a very detailed description of what happened at Commodore from, you know, from its early calculator beginnings all the way through to the Commodore 64. And and it, what is interesting about that is it details all of the, um, all of the, uh, what do you call it? All of the main players who designed the sound chips and the video chips and all of that. So it's quite good. Yes. In fact, I have your copy right here. Oh, you've got my copy. That's where it is. Sorry about I have that, your God. copy of it here. Was there a sleeve with it? I don't think there was. There, there was, but I think I probably got it here. I don't tend to lend the books out with sleeves on. Because they... All right, yeah. So, yeah, I still have that, yeah. I still have it here. Yeah, we'll get so it, it read. A good book. It is a very good book. Yeah, no, I've read it, most of it. But it's hard. It's like very hard to get hold of now. Um, it, yeah. Um, prog- Programming-wise, goodness me, there's tons of books on that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I don't know. There's probably a lot. I mean, you just go get the programmer's uh, reference guide. Yes, well, that's the classic. I think that, that should be issued. I've actually still got my original book of that, and it's still got the original schematic of the Commodore sixty four and the chips in it. Because you, you, for reasons I'm not exactly sure, you get a giant schematic with it. My favourite story out of that Bagnell book is how they designed the chips when the big um, laid out and the giant just a thing. massive laid out and just used to lay paper on top of paper, transparent paper mm. on top of transparent paper. Yeah, and the um, the I can't remember her name, but she had to remind them to cut their toenails. Yeah, um, because they were scampering all over these massive things, you know, and, and with bare feet and everything, and slicing it to bits with their elongated toenails. It's, <laughs> it's crazy kind of to this think that's how they did weird, it. Yeah, this I mean, weird sort of image pre-CAD. You know, it, it, it reminds me the way he describes that. It reminded me of like it was like a, like in Charlie Ch- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like they go in this room, there's these giant 
microchips that they're working in and they go right yeah. we've got to put the shrink that down so it goes inside a car it's <laughs> essentially what they were doing yeah can you imagine turning around to jack from another shrink it <laughs> it's how big it is <laughs> i said get in the commodore 64 <laughs> it's the spruce moose <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, so there you go um uh david Ern asked us how about an episode re-rating all the zap gold medals and sizzlers starting with 85 with a score today uh pointing out any that you would make a sizzler or go- a gold medal that zap didn't do uh could do i suppose yeah, I could know. do that. i never thought about it um it says we wouldn't need to revisit them good because <laughs> i'm not playing mercenary and elite again no no more vector things <laughs> no we don't well, we could do i mean we kind of do it in the episode so don't we when we sort of talk about these what we kind of give it and where we put it so um and I don't, I don't know i don't know whether we sort of be doubling over ourselves but it's something to think about i'm not sure could possibly yeah. yeah we should we, we could possibly revisit them i don't want like i'd have to replay them but no. It's the idea to go back and look at these, the Zap gold medals and sizzlers, and then what, and score, yeah, just, rescore them and give them yeah, the same. Yeah, just see what we would score them. But I just think we might we'd probably do that in the episode. So I call it Zap yeah. back. But I, I think yeah. they, they kind of do that in the issues themselves. And, I, yeah. we, you know, I don't know yeah, whether we'd do. just be repeating what we've said already. I don't, I've got we, nothing else to be say with about elite. mercenary. No, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't yeah. want to go back to Dizzo. No, all lave. All it's lave. just done. No, all lave for Dizzo. All lave. Pretty clear that we thought that you know where the exploding fish should have been a gold medal. So. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, that still to this day annoys me. It does me too. There you go. There you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, Doctor Goggles asked us. Roger Moore is trending on Twitter. This was back in January. Uh, what's his dustiness a reference to? <laughs> so I don't know which episode it first began, um, <laughs> it but was, it's from, sure from we... your first encountered um, a view, view to, to a, a kill. kill. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the game came for us before the film or the film came before the game. Either way, the dustiness <laughs> is a reference to the fact that when Roger Moore was playing James Bond in um, A View to a Kill, he was quite old for a James Bond. <laughs> some of whom were very old. Some of, some of the James Bonds were very old. Now, he was a pensioner, essentially. And we said that um, when he was um, getting... <laughs> fruity with the bond girls and I'm, i think it's such a such a naff term to call them but the female co-stars of the bond movies and at this time in the 80s you don't see it so much now but in that, that time it was they were basically there to be have their dresses unzipped in some manner and for roger moore to crack some cheesy one-liner and then you know do the deed as it were the bond deed um and we said that these co-stars these female co-stars would um, it would feel to them like it was just some crunched up powdery, powdery guy because he's so old. He just did, he just, he just had powder on him. He, just, he was more dusty because he was just very dusty and old. <laughs> and the, kiss, kissing him would just leave a dusty, red, a dusty sort of particles on your mouth. And that led to a, um, <laughs> that went down a garden path where ended, I think he ended up having a Hoover bag testicles and the, and the sort of, the Henry Hoover, sort yes, of the, the <laughs> yeah, broken. He had, he had a the sex drive of a broken Henry Hoover, and it, when he ejaculated, it came out as dust. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, <laughs> and the so, coast, I was like, oh god, it fell in my mouth and everything. I, I can't get off. And that was where, that was mainly it. So we figured that when you opened his because he wears the same jacket principally throughout that whole movie. When you unzipped his jacket, it was just it was just formulated from powder. <laughs> Um, because he's just a it's a powdery old guy, so that's where the I think that's where the reference comes from for us. I, I think 
I think it is, yeah. As I said in the podcast, I think it's just that inside that jacket is just the memories of Bond's past. <laughs> it's just, you have to watch that because it's a really, and funnily enough, it was on not long ago, actually. I remember texting you at the time saying, oh my God, it's on TV. And I watched it because I watched it. And it's absolutely crap. It's the worst, one of the worst <laughs> Bond tricky. movies ever. It it's is so bad, so badly acted. I mean, Grace Jones is doing her best with what she's got in that. But honestly, Honestly, it's so bad. And the, the part towards the end, when for reasons unknown, they just start machine gunning their own men in a, in a mine that they've, it's in a mine that they're flooding. It's just bizarre, weird stuff. None of it makes any sense. And, you know, dusty. It's all very dusty. It's all very dusty, Ben. Now, so what we did know, of course, to. is that his female, one of his female victims, co-stars in that, was also <laughs> in Beastmaster, where for reasons that we don't fully know or understand, she gets her boobs out. So that was, did, highlight. Yeah. that was the only highlight in that film. What, Beastmaster? Yeah, because the rest of it was... Remember, he could, he could talk... <laughs> in that, he talks fluent eagle and uh, ferret. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going on a Beastmaster No, I'm just, I just wanted to say, oh. I like the idea of them at some point explaining to Mark Singer, who played Dar, the main lead, yeah, and one of your powers is you can speak to ferrets and eagle. <laughs> He'd be like, Eagles? Anyway. <laughs> I mean, ferrets and eagles are like mortal enemies. Why would you learn both of them? Maybe well, trying to bro- bro- maybe trying to broker a truce. It later in the film becomes handy, doesn't it? Because he happens to go into the one flesh-eating, crazy monster village where they worship the eagles, and handily enough, he can speak fluent eagle. That saves his bacon. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. He can't talk pig though. No, don't go into um, the pig village. <laughs> uh, David Hearn asked us have you played any of the modern C64 games originals or remakes like Commando Sam's Journey Sonic any thoughts on those I've played we played the Commando didn't we we did we play Commando when Goblins we, uh, yeah we played those couple when we looked at those games in mm-hmm. the actual when you know when the originals were reviewed so we we looked at those um, I haven't really played much of the new stuff I have to say it's just a time thing the only one i've really played was uh uh carlton handley's uh, run and gun which i uh, i really liked mm. um i thought that was really good um i haven't looked at the new sonic i've seen videos of it and i know there's a the super mario port as well but um so so no what about you have you played much of the new stuff i have actually i played the sonic game which was impressive but sonic so you know it's always going to hamper it, it, it was is, impressive yeah. though um i played the mario one which was great um again they're just they're using i think i'm not sure if all of them are, are gonna run on a classic bread box a bread box a bread bin um i think sometimes they have enhancements that work through emulation i don't know the full details of all of that but let's go by what you played i like the commando one was was good it was kind of a full version ghost and goblins writing some wrongs wasn't it mm-hmm. I, um yes. i like i also like the uh, run and gun excellent game really good fun sonic was good if you like sonic Mario was quite amazing if you like that. There's also Prince of Persia, a re- version of that, which of course was originally an Apple II game that was converted to the C64. That's actually pretty damn good as well. Um, albeit that you forget how fiddly the controls are in that game. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I've played a few of them. And then I've seen, a, I saw the Limbo demo, which looked genuinely mind-blowing for the C64. And there's a few things like that that are out there, but it's not the full game. The modern... Yeah. Stuff that you see in the sort of the you know the, the ones that people are doing out um, off their own back at the moment. There's some real good stuff out there. They're using such crazy advanced code techniques that have often pioneered through the demo scene that have sort of come out of that. Um, so that enables them to shift the screen at much faster rates and do some amazing optimized code tricks. Um, so because they're doing that kind of stuff, um, but the, you know the 
every now and again one pops up and I'll take a look at it. I think they're, they're interesting. I think they benefit from 30 years of people coding demos and coding other games. Yes, and the, indeed. You know, the, some of the routines in them, yes, they're mind-blowing, but, you know, yeah. And, we, and at, some, at some point we may actually do um, a one-off just looking at some of these as well. Yeah, I think um, that might, we have, might be We have a plan too. So especially some of the more the more popular stuff because there's obviously the news app magazine is reviewing quite a few games i think it'd be hard pressed to sort of go through them all or whether we just wait until we get to them i don't know but there is a plan to look at them at some point somewhere because yep why not why not um mike fletcher uh he said a patron bonus content suggestion why not run a vote on a game to do an audio review that's either pre or post zap he said appreciate your episode zero covered a number of pre-zap games but there are plenty of others that could be He's put coveted. I could cover them all right, but I presume he means covered. Um, yeah, we yeah we could do that. Yeah, I think there's there's there's, there's an opportunity to do that. I think that's something yeah. we should perhaps do. Yeah, I think when we when we look at doing those ones we missed in the first few episodes, first few issues, we'll yeah. sort of we'll pull some of them older stuff together. But um, we can certainly do that. I mean, it might might be nice to do that in between seasons, I guess. Yeah, and post zap um, games. Or, what do they mean by post zap games? Is that uh, well, I presume discussed? the stuff we've just mentioned. Yeah, like exactly. Commandos, the new yeah, ones. Yeah, Sonics, yeah well, I'd, yeah, I'd like to like look that. at some of those. And yeah, so all that could tie together quite nicely. So we could do. Mm. Um, Dr. Goggle said uh, in February, he said, just seen Jazz Rignall's Twitter post on the March 87 issue bemoaning the lack of games. Uh, he posted the cover, and it's a great Ollie Frey piece, which made me think you never mentioned the cover on the podcast. Well, it would be nice to hear a bit of a description of it and discussion about it, whether it's a good one or not, whether it relates to the game um, or a lot of the creative license, just a thought. We did do that. We used to. We, we did we quite did. a lot. We, we kind of got out of the habit of that, but we've, we've brought it back in the last few episodes, so we are doing that again. Yeah, we're going um, back to that. I think because we, 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 I don't know why quite why we stopped. I think some of the covers became a bit nondescript. There was that really weird one where they were all choir boys, wasn't there? And there's yeah, and yeah, there was, exactly. Because I remember looking at the one that had the the really bizarre one for leaderboard, where it was the girl with a lollipop, and there we was meant, the, we did mention like that. that. I think yeah, yeah. We, I think we mentioned that in the review of um, of the game itself. So yeah, we we. I think yeah, we just kind of got out of the habit of it, but we've back gone back it. to it. So we'll 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 mention them as we do, and we've went especially in the last couple. Obviously, it'll just be in the first first part of however many parts we cover each month. In, uh, but yeah, we are doing that. Uh, David Hearn asked, "Desert Island Discs, you can only pick three C sixty four games. Let's say from eighty four to eighty six, to avoid spoilers for the eighty seven awards, and they're all you have on the island. Which conveniently has power? Which three games do you pick?" And he's gone for Shogun, Jack Attack, and Impossible Mission. Mm. What would you go for? I don't, 84 to 86 is a bit of a dead spot for me, really, because a lot of the games I like came after that. I might have gone for Impossible Mission, you know, be, because... I, that, I mean, we've covered them all in the thingy. What yeah. stuck out from... I'm just trying to think. Wanna, um, I think I would go with probably uh, Summer Games 2. Yeah. Yeah, um, I thought you'd be there's the massive amounts of replayability in there. It's just, you know, fun. Always trying to bet uh, your scores. Good sports game. I'd go for that. Uh, what else would I go for? I don't know. Uh, Paradroid. Yeah, maybe. I think Paradroid would be in there. And I think probably, uh, I don't know, International Karate. Probably. No idol on for you. I thought idol would have been. Uh... I think the thing with I, I put the idol on him, but I've, I have finished it, so I know I know it, mm. and I think it's a it's a single. I think if I'm going to be stuck on an island, I want something that you can 
you know, it's not goal based so much. Yeah. And Paradroid is a bit, but that's the thing about Summer Games, Summer Games 2. I mean, if I could cheat, I'd have Summer Games 2 with the Summer Games disc as well and have them all. Mm. Um, but that's, that's the thing where my I would lie. Yeah, I think I'd go definitely go for something like either way that explains Fist or International Karate, I think. Um, possibly Impossible Mission. Um, because it is impossible. Well, you never finish it. No, that's what I mean. It keep you going a bit, won't it? Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe Paradroid, actually, thinking about it. I, just, I think games that just, just you could just keep going out and going out and going out and going out and going forever. Those don't tend to do that, don't they? So Yeah. There you go. Um, a few more now. Uh, do, uh, is this from David Hearn? Do, do you Zusha or Zaptopast ever liquor up before playing these games? He says, I'd need at least one beer before playing Cobra or V, for example, and several for stupid games with 40 billion locations, etc. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, <laughs> no. Sometimes I feel like having a drink after I've played some of them, um, <laughs> generally speaking. Uh, I tend to play them either quite late on at night um, when it's a bit quieter, so that so that it's because... Um, you know, I, I don't want to sit and just, you know, I'm off to go and play some Commodore 64 games. You know, I've got to sit with my family and do stuff. I can't just uh, disappear. But so I tend to play them at odd times. But if I do have an opportunity to have a drink, some of them need it. Um, some of them would drive you to it. Um, yes. Especially, I mean, I, I, I've started to find that I'm, I'm getting quite cross with games at the moment. <laughs> um, I'm getting quite angry with them because there's been such a run of awful games, one after another, after another, after another. And, and it used to be, and I don't know if it's a gen, I don't know if you've noticed it, it seems to be a weird shift. Um, I don't know if that's because I, my expectations are changing over time, as as they would do. Um, but um, it always then, uh, then uh, all of a sudden, at the moment, we're getting this resurgence of 1984 games that are coming back that have been really good, which is making me think there's some just some lazy-ass programming going on. So that does make me think I probably need a drink to play some of them. But Cobra, all the licensed games have been awful. Um, I mean, you could you could you could have a bottle of Cobra to play Cobra. Yes, yes, you could. I mean, I mean and, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, you might as well theme it. So, well, you yeah, know, get would, some, do, some vodka theme for you. Get some Asahi if you wanted to play sort of a karate style game or more, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I've actually got some that in the fridge right now. Yeah, um, some vodka for V. Yeah. Um, so uh, I I don't no I don't I go in stone cold sober. Um, I need all my wits about me to yeah, revel, yeah, revel in the uh, horror that is some of these games. Um, and I'll just echo what what uh, Graham said there that you know there has been a real drought of crap. It's like a you know it's like the river of slime in Ghostbusters too. Oh God! Because um, there's just been a whole deluge of you know ass. And so sometimes after I've played a chunk of them, and sometimes you know it used to be I could get through most of the games in a you know a few hours aside and get through them. It's, it's getting tougher and tougher <laughs> because yeah. after a few of them, you're like, oh, I can't, I can't face these anymore. No, um, I agree. And so that's it's getting quite bad. So uh, are they driving me to drink? That's a uh, that's another question. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, I like I said, I have. I've enjoyed a lot of the games we've played and it's good fun going back to them. Um, I, I like you, I don't drink, I don't generally drink when I'm playing these games because my hand-eye and coordination and reflexes <laughs> are aren't great as it is, let alone, you know, the dexterity required and also the fiddly eye coordination. My eyesight isn't great. No, I'm, I'm 
nearly 50. My eyesight is not the same as it was. Neither is my, you know, reaction times. I get all that. Um, and I find some things actually now, bizarrely, more, way more challenging than ever. So when I'm when I'm seeing a game that's very stroboscopic, like some of the Jeff Minter games we've played, I don't doubt that there's, you know, we've said in the podcast, the games are great in some ways. I actually find them visually difficult to, I can't sustain watching them for a long time. I find they give yeah, me yeah. headaches. And, and I think that's just, just my eyes aren't just, you know, got compatible with, and, and they do, and they are over the top. So, you know, the colour rolling colour bars and stuff. I've, you know, I've spent a large percentage of my teenage making those bloody raster bars and colour bars. <laughs> That's true. So um, there's nothing new there. But now as a 50-year-old, when it comes on and it's them, you know, combination of already challenging screeching beeps and sound effects combined with that weird, you know, blinding raster bar colours, I find it particularly difficult on games that represent scrolling forwards that way. So some of these 3D planar ones where you have like a scrolling, rolling raster bar effect for ground, I find those ones quite challenging. I have to say not always because um, the games are particularly crap. Generally, they have been, but because I find them quite like, you know, and I know we've got a couple, a few coming up in particular that we're going to be, we're going to really hurt my brain. Eliminator is going to be coming up soon, and I know that's going to hurt my head. So... (laughs) There you go. Um, another one from David. If you could pick a C64 game to be remade today with upgraded graphics, sound levels, variations, etc., what would you choose? What would you want added to the original experience to bring it into today? Ooh, isn't that a good question? Mm. I mean, the ob- I mean, an obvious answer would be Paradroid. Yes. Um, and I've always yes. thought you could do a – and I'm surprised. But I know there have been quite a few modern ver- mod- modern mm. versions of that. So – I'm trying to think of something else. I mean, some of them have been kind of remade, haven't they? Your Barbarians and your Karate games, they've all been kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. remade, so they don't really, can't really do them. I mean, yeah, um, you, I mean, Karate is just, you know, into Street Fighter 2 and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? So it's one yeah. of them ups. That's what, what I mean. And you, and you shoot em ups, your Deltas, your Sanctions, your all of those, they've kind of already been done as well. So, so there's some genres that have just, you no, know, it's not a genre question, is it? It would have to be a very niche C64 game. Um, and that's they're they're actually few and far between. I'd like to see a really modern remake of Whizball. I think, um, yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. Just because I'd like to hear the music played out, you know, Eddie Van Halen style. I think it would. I don't quite. There's nothing a newer modern version of that would add. Paradroid, I could see because you could have 3D graphics. You could make it, you know, different. There's a whole different ways you could create that logic. And yeah, they tried it, didn't they? With some of them, there's some. There's been some attempts. Yeah, because the thing with Paradroid is that. The, the thing that always strikes me with Paradroid is the, st- the story behind Paradroid is that the the, um, the droids have risen up and they're taking over the mm. dreadnoughts and they're heading towards Earth, blah, blah, blah. So my other thought was that the background behind that is always like, what happened to the people? Yeah. Um, so there's going to be dead bodies everywhere or unless they've spaced them all and just shoved them out in space. But you're going to have, you know, darkened corridors, blood everywhere. I yeah. You've got cleaner droids, aren't you? But um, that that's kind of that kind of atmosphere. But, you know, and sort of, the, the things you could do with that with like the the power you know the disrupt disruptor effects and things like that you know yeah. everything exploding around you terminals blowing up and things like that as the disruptor droid just walks around the corner yeah stuff like that you know facing off against the 999 and stuff and a bit more structure to it but then again would you know i don't know i think paradroid is the obvious answer well this paradroid and i partly want to see what a modern version of zap mccracken and the alien mindbenders would be like i know they've kind of done but maybe mm, not okay. done that way I don't know how you would do it in any other way, but I'm just there's such a good story behind that. Although it's a you story have, that they kind of repeat, don't they? But have you played um, Thimbleweed Park. 
no, doesn't ring a bell. It's a well, it's a it's a sort of modern pixel art um, sort of sort of it's kind of like that. It's a bit sort of based on sort of X Files as well, but it's, it's kind of comedy basis. I think it might have had something. To, Ron Gilbert had something to do with it as well. I Possibly. I don't. I generally don't have time for a lot of games. I, I, apart from what we do for the podcast, I played some ones on the old uh, iPhone. One of which was called Inside, which was quite interesting. Um, so now and again, I'll pick yes. up something off, off off Apple or the Apple Arcade. But I don't generally go for anything that's going to take me too long to get into, yeah. especially after the Ghost of Shushima experience. You know, we're still eating the sushi. <laughs> and all that. I've, got, I've got a garage full of fish. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. And that is that, that's your kimono hanging behind you, isn't it? It is. That is my kimono there, yes, yes. yes. You're doing this uh, podcast in, entirely, and it's just his sumo pants. Well, that's the bit you can see. <laughs> I know. I don't know why you sat like that. Way of the camera pointed there. It's quite worrying. <laughs> I'm just composing a haiku. Um, I suppose another one. I mean, I was thinking whether you'd do something like the Idol on, but again, it's just been th- those kind of first-person games in, in dark. What is it with you in that? places? Bloody game! Oh, leave me alone! Bloody, leave me alone! Giant bloody kitty-friendly Duplo dragon game. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. What more do you want? Not that. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's time to bring Hunchback back. Hunchback back. <laughs> Hunchback back. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't think you can get. You would never. I mean, we talked about I it know, at the time, didn't we? No, but I'm just. And it's worth <laughs> saying that you know you could never. These games that exist that simply could cannot exist now, and that's one of them. No, exactly. Get games based on physical deformities and stuff. It's just it's, it's completely mad that they even made it. But just mad. But there's ways you could incorporate. You know. Other stuff, I don't know what that would be, but not uh, hunchbacks. Yeah, probably not. Um, finally, not so much a question, just a comment from Andy Marsh. Zap to the Past podcast has given me a new appreciation for the word released and the word egg. <laughs> Why released? I don't know. I obviously, released. I don't know. Released. Do, do we, do we say, say released? released? Do we say released? <laughs> it's been released. Maybe we do. It's been released. It's yeah. This is yeah. This has been released. On, I don't know. The word egg, obviously. I mean, egg obviously. is uh, well. Yeah, we 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 work at the um, at the sideways egg. We work at the sideways egg. That's the pub. Um, I I mean, look, I'm not alone in my affinity for the word and the whole idea of an egg. Salvador Dali built castles where he covered the walls in eggs. <laughs> uh, nobody questioned Salvador Dali's egginess. So that's uh, true. Um, and yes, you know, but I have I eat three eggs a day. That probably is something to do with it. I do. I eat three eggs every every morning. I have three poached eggs on my sourdough, and I recommend it. It's very good. <laughs> do you so, i do yeah every day oh wow i've learned something new about you yes that yes. would explain a lot though. that's a lot of egg it's not a lot of eggs it's a lot of good stuff a lot of protein helps me when i'm doing all my heavy lifting in the gym <laughs> all right but the word released i'm a, i don't know maybe we I say the word released a lot depends anyway, what we're releasing but... i suppose if it was in our teenagers <laughs> it'd be you releasing gas into my bedroom and poisoning me with it well, yes, yeah. We were, you were a, I was young. I was you young, was a, and I had a very, you a, I had a, a very bad diet. You was a gassy teenager, very gassy. <laughs> yeah, I was. So I stayed so thin. <laughs> I just, uh, I was just full of wind, no, I mean, no but, solid. But what's funny is that, I mean, gassy is one thing, and obviously every, all teenagers have that. But you fueled your gas with Coca Cola. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, and yet you never gained a pound. I, I, it's amazing to me to this day. It amazes me. You were a, yeah, a skinny guy. Uh, and back then, I mean, you were a beanpole. But, I was. But, you, you know, you, I, I wasn't. I know. I just, I ate the same as you. And I just, they looked like, I looked like Incredible Hulk by the end of that, but not in a good way. 
all of, all of the body all of the body shape none of the muscle <laughs> the incredible bulk <laughs> uh, i was just yeah i was just tall and thin and whip it well uh, you know what we can because you know, we can i mean we, we look back and we laugh I, I had a mustache so i can say nothing i had a bad, <laughs> bad mustache and long grizzly hair you had a mullet <laughs> i did have a mullet yeah. i was proud of that mullet a, a, a revelationary uh, moment had to happen at some point absolutely. for us both i remember when i was uh how old would i've been 13, 14, um, going into the hairdressers and trying to describe Jazz Rignall's haircut and saying that's what I wanted. <laughs> but I didn't have the magazine with me, which would have been the better thing to do. But then again, it would have been one of those drawings, so it would have been, I could have been I all, think, I I suspect, all wrong. What you came out with was freeform Jazz Rignall as opposed to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it wasn't. It really wasn't. It basically just shaved up past my ears. It was literally like Monty Burns. It was Monty Burns had had a word. It really was. Yo, don't, don't. Uh, it really but was. I, I had long hair. I say I had long hair. I didn't have long hair. My hair just went backwards. So it, <laughs> it started off at the top of my head on a fringe basis, like everyone else's, and it just went further back to the point when I just had a ponytail by proxy. <laughs> Still a mystery as to why and how that happened and what the purpose of it all was. But there you go. We were in a, we were in a rock band, and I suppose that was my thinking. Hence the leather coat. I'm still ashamed of myself wearing that Halloween t-shirt. I'm never going to live that down. I, w- <laughs> I walked into a rock pub in Grimsby wearing a t-shirt with eggs over people's eyes. <laughs> but luckily, because I was a, a, because I was a, a bulky guy, uh, no one's going to ever question it because I look like the kind of person that would throw you through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. That's why I hung around with you. Just protection, really. <laughs> Polish bouncer. <laughs> Um, oh dear there we go there it is that. it is uh, so that's it that's been our first ask the podcast there's been some cracking questions there hopefully you've enjoyed that um and we've given you some a bit more in depth on us and you know a bit more um that's that so uh, we'll do another one if you ask us more questions yes um so you know you, you know where to go if you you know put them in the ask we're just taking i know there's lots of chat going on in other parts of the discord and that's cool but just for these to kind of keep it separated it's just in that channel so it's if you've got any questions put them in when we get around to doing another one of these uh we will give you the same amount of uh nonsense as we've just done for the last Absolutely. hour or so and, and as of course as always huge thanks to all of our patrons who have taken the time out of their lives to ask those questions and join in the discord server and all the fun and games and really get and are really getting into the groove as well it's really ace love it yeah in there. it is we do we really enjoy it so thank you very much for that um and on that note we will finish here so as ever i've been adrian mills i have been graham ghost of tsushima hey <laughs> and I have been troubled by his sumo pants. <laughs> and you've been listening to Zapped to the Sumo Pants. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zapped to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptothe, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. 
Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.